Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, we'll hear from Kieran Piller, the GM of TBT's 2014 champions, the Notre Dame Fighting Alumni. Kieran is a 2007 graduate of Notre Dame and a 2010 graduate of Notre Dame's law school. A former walk-on basketball player, Kieran's time spent in South Bend led to many of the relationships that formed the Fighting Alumni. Kieran and the Fighting Alumni set the standard for alumni teams in TBT, and he's got some really great insight into how the team came together. Don't forget, you can subscribe to TBT's podcast on iTunes. And if you like what you're hearing, leave us a rating. It'll help spread the word. Thanks. Hey, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. So listen, I appreciate you joining us. Um, for those that don't know, obviously, you're the GM and have been the GM for two years of uh, TPT Champion 2014, the Notre Dame Fighting Alumni. And I was going to ask you a little bit about your background with Notre Dame. How did this um, relationship start? Uh, yeah, so uh, I went to school there as an undergraduate. I uh, was a walk-on uh, basketball player there. Um, so that's, you know, the, the original 2014 team, uh, you know, that won that inaugural TVC. Um, all those guys on that team were just, you know, guys that I, I played with at Notre Dame or that I um, – I think maybe, Daniel, you know, the years run together so much, sometimes you forget. But, but you know, after I uh, played at Notre Dame, I just stayed straight through and uh, went to law school there. So, you know, um, even those guys that I, I didn't necessarily play with that were there in those years following, I was able to develop a relationship with. And then, you know, the way the, way the Notre Dame program is and the coaching staff with, with, with Coach Bray and, and, and everyone, you know, it's, it's definitely a family culture. So, Guys that are are you know older stay in touch with the program and, and and you know so you really get to know everybody that's played. Um, so you know for for me, I, I really got to build a lot of relationships. I think because I kind of uh, you know was was there for longer than normal uh, with, with the law school on top of the undergrad. And um, you know when the uh, 2014 uh, TBC. Uh, came up um for us um it was really just an opportunity for for a lot of guys who were doing a lot of different things with their lives um we all kept in touch and everything but unfortunately once you kind of leave campus and leave that team environment and and go in your separate ways you don't always get to see each other a lot um you know so we saw you guys were staged in this tournament in Philadelphia and for us as much as anything uh we saw it as an opportunity to have a little bit of a reunion uh some of us you know, hadn't seen each other since we graduated, you know, guys were playing all over the world and taking jobs all over the country, um, inside and outside of basketball. Um, so we, we, we just saw it as something like that. And, and, and you know, I think, uh, you know, my position, uh, at Notre Dame where, where I was there for so long and I, I, uh, you know, was able to, to, to build relationships with guys from a, a really long period of time, um, allowed me to kind of be the one that, that took the head on, on getting everybody together uh, to enter that tournament. Well, I was going to ask you about that because you went there for undergrad, but you didn't walk on right away, right? No, no. So, I mean, how that, how that happened is, is, you know, I was, you know, I was, uh, I was a pretty good high school player and, and not a great high school conference, to be honest. So, I wasn't really recruited uh, at the D1 level. I was more of a, a D2, D3 
um, level guy, but, uh, you know, I was always a, a pretty focused student. Um, so went to Notre Dame academically and was just there, uh, you know, love the game. So kind of decided that, you know, you got to stop playing sometimes. So, so Notre Dame is my father went to Notre Dame. Uh, it's kind of been a, a school that's been in our family. So, yeah, so uh, that's what I was going to ask you. So you had some kind of family connection to the school before even. Applying. Yeah. 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 I mean, qu- quite frankly, I probably would have been playing basketball someplace or my dad loved Notre Dame. Right. right. Um, <laughs> and so uh, that, that was kind of ingrained in me since I was a little kid. And, you know, he certainly didn't push me that way or anything, but when it came right down to it, and it was a, say, okay, I can go play basketball at a really, really small school, or, uh, you know, I can, I, I can go where my father went and, uh, um, you know, the choice was pretty easy for me. You know, obviously it's a great academic school and I'd worked really hard academically. So it was, it, it was tough for me to, to not want to go there, but, you know, I, I got there and, you know, the love for basketball didn't leave. So I was there, I was there at the, the rec center playing, uh, playing pickup all the time. Um, and actually this is a story and, 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 and he, he loves taking credit for it, but Jordan Cornett, who was a part of this thing for, for both years, he kind of got in touch with me. He had some roommates that were down at the, the, uh, he, he was on the team at the time and he had some roommates that were, uh, you know, I would play pickup with down at the rec center a lot. And, um, you know, they, they kind of told him that this, you know, this kid, Karen can play a little bit. So, uh, you know, Jordan kind of got me going playing pickup with the uh, with the actual team for a while and, you know, did pretty well. And then from there, they just they just offered me a spot on the team. And, and uh, that's how that came about. Did you know the guys before walking on or was that like, I guess Jordan, you know, like you said, takes credit, I guess, for you starting to play pickup with him. And he, stuff, he does. He, he takes full credit for that and loves to remind me of it all the time. <laughs> but you've got so the scenario where you walk on at a big school like that it's almost impossible to kind of know the guys at a big school like Notre Dame, especially one where athletics are so important and they're kind mm-hmm. of almost off in their own little corner of the university. A lot of times, I mean, is that the case at Notre Dame where you had no relationship with Jordan Cornette before he reached out to you or how did that? Yeah, no, I did know Jordan. I mean, you know what I mean? One of the great things about Notre Dame to tell you the truth is that there isn't that fragmentation between the student body and, uh, and the athletes. You know, uh, there's not special athletic dorms. There's not, there's, there's not anything like that. I mean, athletes are put in the same dorms as everybody else, given, you know, random roommates their first year. It's not like athletes are always living with athletes. You know what I mean? They're yeah. put in the pool and, and they just have a normal student roommate when they come in. So you're forced to immerse yourself in the culture of the university as an athlete, you know? Um, you know, so I, I did, I did have, uh, a relationship with Jordan because Jordan's just, you know, really friendly guy or whatever. And he actually, like I said, he lived all throughout at Notre Dame. He lived with, with, uh, just normal students who are non athletes, um, who I was kind of friendly with. So, cause, cause, you know, they were guys like playing pickup basketball and whatnot. So that's how, you know, Jordan and I got close. But I mean, heck, all my years on the team and, you know, in law school and throughout and since, you know, guys, guys on the team and athletes at the university, they really do. They immerse themselves in the culture of the university and they, you know, they spend just as much time uh, with, with non-athletes and, and, and the student body as they do with athletes. I think that's a really um, special part of uh, what goes on there. So you go from playing pickup with the guys to walking on and what was that like? 
Uh, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it ended up great, but I'm curious because, I mean, there's a big difference between playing pickup basketball and, you know, playing with a bunch of, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds and then suddenly trying to impress a Division One coach with a resume like Mike Mike Bray. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, is it's, 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 you know, at the end of the day, it's really not that big a deal because it's not like they're looking at me to come in and help them win games. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? So right. it's really just like... I just got to go out there and, 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 you know, and practice it. We were really thin when I first uh, walked onto the team. I mean, I think there's maybe only 11 scholarship guys on the team and two or three of them were injured. So they really just needed some body. So really all I had to do was be solid. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going out there trying to, trying to score, trying to, trying to be a great player. I'm just, my goal is to just go out there and let them run an effective practice. And that kind of means being invisible. <laughs> almost like a referee right you know what i mean like yeah. like you know a ref is good when you don't notice they're out there and that's kind of how i approach my job you know what i mean like yeah. it was just like don't don't mess things up you know what i mean so be solid with the ball don't turn it over play hard on defense just just be solid so really you know it was really about just not trying to do too much i think maybe some people in that position you know try to come in and you know, they're a scorer in high school and, 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 and they're this and they, they try to continue doing that. Um, that, that wasn't what I did at all. I think I, I kept it simple. Uh, I recognized my role and, and recognized the ceiling on my abilities, but also recognized that, you know, by just being solid is where I could really, really help the team. You know what I mean? Just, just take care of the ball, you know, do things that I can do, be, be a leader, uh, be someone who has a voice. Um, and be someone that, you know, uh, use my basketball IQ and, 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 and that stuff to, uh, you know, just be a contributor in practice, but understanding that, you know, there wasn't any, uh, expectation, uh, for anything beyond that. And then the experience at Notre Dame as an undergrad was good enough that you decided to stay for law school after that. How did that decision come about? Um, well, you know, I, I was kind of in that camp where I just wasn't ready to get a job. <laughs> um so like it was the, just like, it's uh, like like the classic it, law school decision you know yeah dad i was gonna say you can relate to yeah, this because yeah. i know you spent a lot of years <laughs> as a lawyer and uh you know so uh you know in, in all honesty one of the things is is, is you know I, being a college athlete in general is a pretty brutal schedule college basketball specifically though is 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 tough you know what i mean it's stretching over most of both semesters a lot are just basically in one semester, right? College basketball is going in, in, in both semesters. Um, you're on the road all the time. It's not like games are just on weekends. You know, you could have a, you know, being in Indiana, we could have a game on California in California on Tuesday and then Syracuse, New York on a Saturday. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, 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 uh, it's tough. So I didn't really have a lot of time uh, to do the job interview stuff and all that stuff that typically goes on and, in your junior year and, uh, you know, in the fall of your senior year, I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of time to do that. So I was, um, kind of behind the eight ball on a lot of that stuff. And, and I never even really thought what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, so I, I was just kind of like, well, Hey, you know, like, I'm, you know, like to read, like to write. Uh, everybody always tells me that I'm pretty good at arguing. Uh, so, so I'll apply to law school. Um, so that's what I did. And, uh, you know, so many of the guys that I developed great relationships with at Notre Dame, um, who, who you've gotten to know, who were, you know, a part of these TBT teams, Ryan Ayers, 
Zach Hillislin. I mean, they they were a couple years younger than me, and they were really my best friends. Like we we were a group that that hung out together all the time. Um, so when it came down to making my decision for law school, you know, obviously Notre Dame's a great law school, and uh, I just wasn't ready to leave. <laughs> I wasn't ready to leave those guys. I wasn't ready to leave the school. Um, you know, it was great. Um, so that's 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 pretty much why I stayed. So during that period of time in law school. Now you're in your fifth, sixth, and seventh year on campus. You're able to stay in touch and, and kind of coordinated with the basketball team during that period of time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, I I uh, stayed in stayed in very close touch. I mean, I think, as you know, too, you've been through law school. That first year can be brutal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of the, the brutality in it is, is people kind of psyching themselves out. They get so immersed in what's going on in law school. Uh that it really just becomes like a, a, a self-fulfilling stress cycle, right. you know? So yeah, uh, that's a good way to describe staying close it. Yeah. to the basketball uh, program my first year um, was a good way for me to uh, avoid that. And I think really helped me in law school. Um, you know, I'd get my work done. I wasn't worrying about what other people in the law school were doing, um, which is a big problem. As you know, it's just, it's a lot of type A personalities that if somebody's doing one thing, they feel like, they can't be outworked. Yeah. Uh, so I would just go there, get my stuff done, and then like head to the basketball office. Maybe like watch some film with the coaching staff, whatever. You know, had a long day where I've had my nose in a book all day. I'd stop by practice or whatever, just to you know, because for me it was familiar. Uh, like I said, it's a very family atmosphere in Notre Dame. Not only was I really close with the guys on the team, but I was close with the coaching staff. Um, so it was just something for me that was a de-stressor. Uh, that I think was a big advantage for me because I think a lot of people in their first year of law school really don't have some. That's a, that, I, I, you know, I never um, even thought about that, what you're saying, because that first year is just such a pressure, pressure cooker. And yeah. you are constantly comparing everything. Even without a grade, you're constantly comparing everything you're doing with everyone else, whereas you're sort of almost like segmented off in this other area that <laughs> nobody else is even involved yeah. in. I think that's great. I, I, exactly. And I think people get themselves very, very isolated and that this just leads to more stress and all that's on their mind is, is their upcoming exams that count for a hundred percent of their grades. And it's just like the weight of the world bearing on their shoulders. And, and, and you know, that's why I, I think that law school grind in the first year is really tough for a lot of people. A lot of people don't make it out of it. For me, it really wasn't that bad at all. And I really credit, you know, the, the basketball program um, with that is because it, it just it just gave me um, an outlet. That's uh, so 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 that was great. So I you know I really maintained and even strengthened a lot. I think my relationships with people in the basketball program got stronger even after I was left. I, I left um, to tell you the truth. And uh, so yeah, I mean I, I I stayed close with everyone and then. Heck, my second year of law school is when Hills, Lynn, and Ayers, and, and McElarney, and those guys were seniors, and I lived with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, sometimes I joke around like I had four senior years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, my second year, I lived with them. And then, heck, my third year, uh, you know, I got I had an apartment, but it was, you know, right across the hall was Heron, Doty, and Hansbro. And you know what I mean? So I stayed really, really connected with those guys through, which, you know, like we were talking about earlier, that kind of, you know, set the stage for uh, me having a platform uh, to put these teams together uh, for the TBT. Yeah. So let's talk about that. In 2014, you know, that I think you guys, if I recall, you guys heard about it through that Zach Lowe article, right? Is that how you heard about TBT? I, you know, I, I, Dan, I... You know how things, but I don't know at this point 
What I do remember is a, a buddy of mine who played at Dartmouth um, and then went to law school at Notre Dame. He's kind of like the only guy in law school that I, I really spent much time with um, that was actually in law school. Uh, he, uh, and he sent me an article um, about it, and I said, shit, this looks like a good idea. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, you, you might have to edit that out. No, I'm that's sorry. fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're not on any kind of, we're not any kind of network or anything, so whatever, whatever so, you say uh, is on you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry about that. But yeah, so he, his name is Chuck Flynn. Uh, he sent me the article. I don't know if it was a Zach Lowe article or, or what it was. He kind of just brought it to my attention. And, uh, you, you know, everything, everything kind of uh, went forward from there. So who were the ringleaders for the team? Like, who was the first person you called? Who were the guys that really wanted to get it going? Um, so Ryan Ayers, you know, who, who you know, was, 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 he's probably the reason we won it that first year. Um, you know, he, him and me, we talk every single day. Uh, you know, we're oddly close. I'm starting to reevaluate it as I get into my 30s. <laughs> so I think we maybe need to grow up a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I called him and, me and him talked about it, and you know Ryan's a Philly guy. You guys were having the tournament in Philadelphia, so he. Uh, we just thought it would be a great thing because actually we have a big contingent of Philadelphia guys that have played at Notre Dame over the years. So we thought it would be really easy to get people to go play in it. So it kind of started with me and Ryan, and uh, you know we stretched it out to guys that we're still really close with, Rob Kurz, um, and, and he's another Philly guy. Um, you know, uh, Hillisland is, he, he's a Midwest guy, but he's another one that's, that, that, you know, we're just really close with Colin Falls, uh, same thing. So, and then from there, we just kind of went to, uh, guys that we knew were in the East coast that it would be easy for. And, and, and like I said, it's not like all of us are extremely close that have been a part of this team. So it's, you know, it's all just like a, a big group of friends, but then, you know, we go to, uh, Russ Carter and Tyrone Nash and, and guys like that because because we know it's it's easy for them. They're in the Philly, New York area. Um, and then after that, you know, we were, you know, for instance, Chris Thomas, who's, you know, one of the best players to ever play at Notre Dame, he called me. And, you know, the only reason we didn't originally ask him is, you know, he was out in the, the Midwest. We didn't know that it was something that he would want to do. And he called me and he said, like, I, I want in on this thing. And I said, great, <laughs> you know. And uh, as you know, he was absolutely – just unbelievable for us in that that inaugural year when we won it just you know not only in his play where he was just about as efficient as a point guard can be but just like uh as a leader yeah. you know what i mean and, and him and ryan both didn't play this past year and that that it, it, it really hurt us um because heck that first year you know i put the team together and uh i i guess the label coach was was by it but i didn't do a darn thing on the sidelines of those games that first year chris ran absolutely everything chris was really um, uh, yeah. his um he, his story i thought in that first year was really interesting because he made a couple of comments about how early in his career he was a little bit more obsessed with scoring the ball dominating the ball stuff like that and then he sort of had figured out that you know being a, a little bit playing a little bit differently you know i don't know if within himself is the right way because it's hard to describe someone that's diving all over the court like he was as within himself you know but did you get that yeah. sense from him that he maybe he was playing differently in his 30s than he was in his in his early 20s oh i mean there's no doubt about it and i mean the guy he's always had a through the roof basketball iq there's no doubt about that but 
just like any 18, 19, 20-year-old kid who is also a fantastic athlete and can get a shot whenever he wants, it takes time to learn any craft. You know what I mean? You and I, when we graduate law school and we become lawyers, we weren't nearly as good our first year as we were our third, fourth, fifth, and beyond. You know what I mean? Right. So Chris, unfortunately with Chris, I think, you know, he uh, it, it's a natural progression um, of the basketball IQ thing. And, and, and he might have looked a little bit more erratic as a player when he was younger on just because he was able to do things physically that other people couldn't do. I mean, he was next level quick, Yeah, you know? Um, and he had a lot of flash to his game. And a lot of times people mistake flash as being out of control, which I don't really agree with. I don't think Chris was ever out of control. I think he always had a great basketball IQ. But, you know, it's always a balance, especially as a point guard, learning when when to shoot, when to set up your teammates, when to push, when to pull back. You know what I mean? And that's something that only comes with experience. So when he was in people's frame of mind, was when he was a really young kid learning that stuff. You know, that's when he was on the kind of the national spotlight. And unfortunately, you know, he had some injuries and some things like that that slowed him down a little bit. So as he went on that natural progression of learning the game and everything, it it never really necessarily got to come together uh, where his athleticism and that elevated feel for the game were there at the same time. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yep. But that's not to say that he didn't have, he always had a great IQ. I think it's a miss, uh, not just a great IQ, but, but honestly, he's one of the, the, the smartest basketball players I've ever been around. Um, I mean, the way he managed that, that TBT team was, was unbelievable. Um, he made the right play all the time. So that's some place where, you know, I think that's the story for any great point guard. <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. you learn and, you know, with Chris, it just, I think people noticed it more because he no longer had that explosion in his at- that athleticism at 31 that he had at 21. You know what I mean? So that's when they're like, oh, wow, this guy really knows how to play the game. But he always did. You know, clearly he got better with it, but it just became more noticeable when he was no longer the one that was getting a shot for himself. He was just now getting it, the shots for other guys. Um but yeah, he was he was huge, and 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 you know having him a part of everything was 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 big time, and we we really really missed him this past year. Well, what that was I was going to ask you is that from 2014 to 2015, I want to get into that in a little bit, but there was a transition in terms of the roster, you know. So what were some of the stories yeah. there? Like why didn't you have Ryan Ayers, and why didn't you have Chris Thomas? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I don't think it's controversial to state that uh, you know we had I think we kind of had a. And everybody played their role and did a great job. But the guys that really kind of spearheaded us through the championship run were, were Ryan, Chris, and Tyrone. Um, and we really, really developed an unbelievable chemistry in a short amount of time there. And, and you know, everybody in that first year of the tournament kind of said, uh, oh, well, you guys have been playing together forever. That's not true at all. You know, Ryan had never played a game with Chris Thomas before. Chris Thomas had never played a game with Tyrone Nash before. You know what I mean? Like, well, how did it? Uh, that, what, how did it come together so quickly then? Um, like I said, I think a lot of it was Chris, the leadership of Chris and Ryan. You know what I mean? Like those guys just have, you know, Ryan is a coach now. Chris is a coach now. Like that's that that you know that's kind of how I was setting that up. Is is their guys that you know their 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 basketball IQ and their leadership and their unselfishness was just so next level that it was really and, and Tyrone too. I mean Tyrone is. You won't find a, 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 a big, 
you know, that can play power forward and center that is capable of doing all the things that he can do and that's as unselfish as him. So we just had so many unselfish guys that it really, really uh, came together very easily. And unfortunately, uh, this past summer, Ryan is, is now a, a coach at Bucknell. He's an assistant coach at Bucknell. I mean, he's undoubtedly going to be a huge name in college basketball coaching uh, very quickly. Uh, you know, when we were playing, that, that was the live July recruiting period in AAU basketball, which is really the crucial rec- recruiting period each year is that July period. So he was out on the road recruiting for Bucknell. And Chris Thomas coaches an AAU team now. Uh, so he was working with his high school kids, you know, serving as a coach and a mentor to them at all those July tournaments. So neither one of them were able to play uh, this past summer. You know, I was curious back in 14, you know, when you had those guys and you had that whole group together, one of the coolest things I thought of that championship game was that Mike Bray was there and uh-huh. uh, had, I guess, taken you guys out to dinner the night before. Yep. Yep. What was the story with that? How did that all come about? Um, you know, once again, like I said, the, the culture that's established at uh, ND is just, it's, it's just such a family culture. So, you know, as soon as we put this team together, when, uh, you know, really, as we've talked about before, it's kind of been a long-running joke. We had no idea if this tournament was legitimate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. For us, it was like, hey, we're all going to meet up in Philadelphia, but there's a chance that this thing might be a scam. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's five hundred thousand dollars, and 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 you know we don't know what's going on. But even when it was that, and there was this you know social media mechanism to getting in the tournament, uh, where you had to generate fans and and, and do all that stuff. The Notre Dame basketball department, uh, you know Harold Swanigan, who's the director of basketball operations there, uh, Bernie Caporelli, who's the the media lady. I mean they they were fantastic. Even when we didn't know if this thing was legit, at helping us generate fans by uh you know making twitter posts and instagram posts and 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 all that stuff and really helping them they they were in from day one because to them it's just like oh our guys are getting back together this is great right and they're going to help us with anything they can so the basketball program was really involved right off the bat and then when we get to philadelphia and we were like hey not only is this not a scam i mean this tournament couldn't be run better it was just amazing from top to bottom uh the professionalism and, and level of the tournament was it was unreal um, you know, and we started to win some games and there was a lot of really good teams and really big time players in it. And, you know, it was getting some attention and the ball started rolling. I mean, our coaching staff at ND was following us before it got to that. But once that ball got rolling, it, it you know, it was obviously, uh, something that was really cool. And, and, you know, coach Bray just wanted to be sure that, that he was there, you know, to support us. I thought it was great when you guys ended up winning and, you know, obviously Thomas had that great steal at the end of the game and, you know, that kind of uh-huh. locked it down in some respects. Um, yeah. He, Bray actually storms the court and he's like hugging yeah. the guys. He just can't control himself. And it was almost like he, he um, had won something. I don't know, like a big, you know, an ACC tournament or something. He was just so excited. And then he kind of takes this moment and I, I think we caught it on camera. He takes this moment and he kind of like says, this is your guy's thing, you know, go ahead and have fun, you know, and he kind of like then just kind of fades into the crowd. I think that spoke uh-huh. a lot about who he is, you know, like he just was so happy for you guys and so excited. But at the same time, you know, he knew that this was your thing and he wanted you to guys to have the moment. I mean, that's that's kind of a special relationship, it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, what I think is one thing like like being a college coach is beyond difficult. Right. I mean, it is it is brutal. I think a lot of people from the outside look at it and say, I mean, 
hey, you're coaching basketball, you're making a ton of money. You know what I mean? You're, 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 you're taking, you know, private, private planes with your team to go to all these games and, and, you know, do all this fun stuff. And it's, you know, how does it get any better? And it, it, it is a brutal schedule. You got to be locked in 24 hours a day and you're focusing on your team this year, but you're still worried as hell about who you're bringing in for next year when you're losing three big time players. And you, so you got to be out recruiting and you got to be locked in all the time. So as much as a coach tries to stay in touch with all of his guys, right? There's not enough hours in the day. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so for him, I think it was just, he saw an opportunity to reconnect with guys that he had great relationships with, but that they go on, they have families, they have careers. And, you know, he's got the next crop of kids to build relationships with, to make sure they're getting through school, to make sure they're becoming men, to make sure they're doing all those things. And it's really tough to talk as much as you'd like and, and, and to really keep up on each other's lives as much as you like. So I think really for him, it, it, it was just an opportunity to kind of reconnect with some of his guys. And, and I think a validation of who he's brought into the program and what he's done with the guys while they're at the program. See, wow, like these guys are all doing great. You know what I mean? Right, right. And uh, so I think, I think that was a, a huge part of it. Like there's just, there's, there's just a happiness because I think in, in some ways it's a validation of what, what he's done, you know? Absolutely. Um, so I think that was a big part of it. So you guys get the checks, you leave uh, BU, that was where it was, Boston University, where the championship was in 14. Uh, with yep. your checks, what did you end up doing with the money? Um, well, we, everybody donated to like kind of like their individual charities that, that they wanted. Um, you know, a lot of guys put money into their, you know, youth basketball programs from where they're from, you know, really did a lot to help them, you know, in becoming the players that they were. And then we collectively uh, donated, uh, money to coaches versus cancer. Uh, and we did that at, at a, a fundraising event hosted by coach Bray out in South Bend. Uh, so that was great. And then, uh, you know, other than that, we, uh, we all had a little extra spending money for the next year or so. <laughs> and so you actually had an opportunity to kind of evaluate what you were doing, I guess, professionally and decided to take a new job as an agent, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was, it, it was great. Uh, cause you know, we've kind of interlaced in this conversation here. You and I have had the undertones of, of, uh, being lawyers. Um, and both of us have moved on from that. Um, and, uh, for me, you know, it was an opportunity to, yeah, not to transition out of being a lawyer. Uh, cause you know, as you know, you get a, a, a lot of obligations when you go to law school, you rack up the debt and then you kind of got to take the, the big time job where, you're making uh, good money and, and, you know, even if it's fulfilling on a lot of fronts, it's not always what you want to do because like we were talking about, I think a lot of people do go to law school because it's just pushing the real world off for a couple of years and, and, and being a lawyer isn't necessarily what they truly want. But then when they get through it, you kind of got to do it <laughs> because you have these obligations. So that's a situation that I was in and uh, I really, I, I wanted to try something else in the worst way. Um, but I wasn't really in a financial position to do that. Um, and the extra money that I got from this tournament really let me kind of take a break and sit back and evaluate like, you know, Hey, what do I want to do with my life? And, and, and aside from the money from the tournament, the tournament just kind of reconnected me with basketball a little bit. 
um, and, uh, you know, reminded me of how much I really like that. So, um, you know, I was able to take a little time and develop that. And then not only that, but, you know, kind of take a job where I'm, uh, financially and everything, taking a couple steps back just in order to get my foot in the door. So I transitioned from being a lawyer, um, into being a basketball agent. Um, I got on with an, a, you know, an absolutely great agency working for one of the, the best agents in the business who, you know, Mark Bartlestein, um, Priority Sports, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, you know, and obviously in my opinion, the, the best agency in the business. And, uh, you know, I've been able to spend the last year and a half, uh, doing that and, uh, you know, staying close to the game and, uh, you know, couldn't be happier about it. And there's no doubt that, um, you know, the, the, the extra time off to, to really find what I wanted to do uh, that was afforded to me by winning uh, the basketball tournament really gave me that opportunity. The interesting thing I think a lot of times is that agents are always making calls to, to players. And I would imagine that in your off season, you actually got a lot of calls from players from Notre Dame guys looking to play in 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so after we won it, um, you know, obviously it became a big thing and you guys on your end did such a good job promoting the tournament and growing the tournament that this past summer it really turned into a huge thing. I mean, you guys secured a, a TV deal with ESPN and everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody wants to play in it. So, um, it, yeah, there, there was a ton of guys that wanted to be a part of it this past year. And, and, and it, you know, we tried to do our best to keep everyone involved because, you know, everybody that's been through the Notre Dame program can really play. And on top of that, it's a great guy that you just, we, we, we you know, if, if you allowed rosters of 25, we would have had 25 people yeah. involved on our team. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, that was really tough. And in all honesty, I mean, we kind of started off, the, the rosters were expanded a little bit. We started off by <laughs> getting guys that were positions of need. You know what I mean? We lost Chris. Uh, we needed to get some point guards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, uh, so we went out and we got uh, Eric Atkins. And, and for me, it was also important to reach out to Eric because uh, he was a younger guy. You know, he wasn't really in that that uh, era of guys that played in the first year. And I, I thought it was important to kind of keep, keep, you know, the lineage of the program in line and include everybody in it. And that includes recent graduates. So we went and got Eric. Um, and then we also got Ben Hansbro, uh to play point guard. <laughs> and then... Uh, from there, you know, a lot of it was kind of like first come, first serve. Like he calls me if there was still a spot and we kind of had our core positions done. Like I was trying to do what I could to get you on the team. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously you had a couple of other additions too. Tim Evermidas being a big one uh, for you yeah, guys. Yeah. Uh, I should have mentioned him up front. Yeah. And he's another one that I actually made sure I called uh, because he's, he's just, he's, he, you know, we lost Ryan at the wing too. So once again, that was filling a position in need. And I mean, Tim is a unbelievable player. Has had a you know had a great career at Notre Dame, despite some 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 tough injuries uh, that really I think limited what could have been uh, 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 just one of the great careers that that Notre Dame's seen. Um, but now he's gone on to have like a a great professional career, and he you know he's just he's a Notre Dame guy uh, through and through. Just fantastic kid, fantastic student. So you know we as soon as we were talking about like what are we going to do with the roster this year that was one of the guys where we said hey we got it we got to make sure we go get Tim so the team comes together uh 2015 you guys are playing in the i guess last year we called it the super 17 but you essentially have a play in uh -huh. game 
um, against a team called the Midwest Dream Squad. Had you guys ever heard yeah. of any of those guys before they were playing on that team? No, no. Um, we hadn't, and, you know, quite frankly, uh, I was, you know, July is a free agency period uh, in the NBA, so I was like, I was in the office around the clock, and uh, I didn't have much time to do any research on them or prepare at all. And, you know, so they, they came out and they, they really got out. Um, and, you know, I don't want to detract from what they did at all by saying we weren't prepared because, quite frankly, I don't know if you really could prepare for what they did to us. I mean, they were hitting shots from all over the place. That guy, Mike DeNuno, uh, it seemed like he, he looked like the best player in the tournament. It was unbelievable. Yeah, no, he was absolutely unreal. And, I mean, like I said, some of that is, is you know, there's, there's no explanation or excuse. You just got to tip your hat to the guy and say, you know, he's hitting that shot on anyone, and if he's going to hit it, good for him. <laughs> there's nothing we can really do to stop. So, you know, he was just a competitor. He was, he was, he, he was a bulldog. But actually, the, the day after that game, I was in the office the next day, and, and you know, Mark Bartlestein is the CEO of the agency I works for. He came in, he was kind of giving me a hard time about the game he watched on TV, and he said, uh, but he said, you know, Danuno, like my my son played against him in high school. Like he's like that kid is a baller. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like through and through. Like, he's somebody that I think in the Chicago, uh, you know, everybody in Chicago knows of him. I think everybody that came up in Chicago, you know what I mean? He was just, you know, I think he has that reputation as just a tough kid that can really, really play. So you won that game 79-77 on a, essentially a buzzer beater, uh, laying in by Eric Atkins off a pass from Hansborough. Can you kind of walk through what you were thinking as that happened? Yeah, I mean, um, it's, what we wanted to do was just get the ball in Ben's hands. Ben, ben, Ben's hands. We we had uh, we had the time um, to get the ball up the court. We knew that. Um, you know, I was pretty confident that that we were going to be able to create a decent shot. Just get Ben with Ben with a with a head of steam rolling downhill, basically, and uh, see what happens. Not like we drew up some elaborate play. It was legitimately like, all right, let's just run a flat ball screen for Ben. Um, get the ball in his hands and, and, you know, then keep the floor space and, and see what he does. You know, uh, it wasn't any, any, uh, X's and O's really to it there. And Eric is just such a smart player that, you know, uh, well, a lot of guys are just going to stand there and ball watch because I forget how much time was left. I think it was like under five seconds. Um, you know, everybody on, uh, Midwest Streams kind of ran to bet. And Eric kind of, instead of just fading to the corner, hanging out around the three-point line, you know, had the presence of mind to slip behind the defense and say, hey, I, well, I might be able to get a layup. Um, and, you know, he was just completely uncovered, wide open. And to Ben's credit, you know, he had his head up and 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 uh, made the pass. And it was just, you know, it was just an example of two guys that are just, just heady players and very poised players. Um, who were able who were able to get that done for us? And it's pretty cool that Zach August and Jerry and Grant were there as well. Yeah, that, I mean that was awesome. I mean that that's just like you know, like I said, like just another example of uh, you know the ND family culture. You know, I mean, heck, when uh, when when those guys were making their run uh, through the ACC tournament and through the Elite Eight, um, you know, me. Colin Falls, Jordan Cornett, guys, guys, you know, that have been out of college for seven, eight years. You know what I mean? Um, we, we were getting together for every game and I, I'm telling you, we were as upset as, is, you know, 
we ever get in anything, we're all pretty even keeled guys that we're, we're, we're living and dying with each play during that run. Well, that, that um, run really in particular for the guys. And, yeah, that was amazing. What, what's that? that? That run in particular yeah, to you me know what was I mean? just amazing. We, we were invested in it, but you know what? Even in past years where it hasn't been that, like, like at that level, we, we, we're always getting together and watching all the games together and, 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 you know, talking about what's going on with the team and, you know, staying in touch with the team. I mean, we'll get back to at least one football game a year. And we'll always still stop through, uh, you know, practice or pick up or whatever they're doing in that fall and talk to the coaches, talk to the guys on the team. I mean, it's just a, a, a family atmosphere, uh, you know, no doubt about it. I mean, Jaron was eight years younger than me. You know, I had a good relationship with Jaron. Older guys that have been through the program had a good relationship with them. You know what I mean? Like, because we just stay in touch. And I mean, especially a team like that with what they did. I mean, that's something you can have a lot of pride in. You know, so uh, seeing them come through uh, to, uh, you know, our game there in Chicago for the tournament this year, that's just a testament to, you know, how Notre Dame, no matter when you played, uh, you're always going to support other guys in that program, younger, older. We always support them. They support us. And and that's just how it goes. And, you know, once again, that's a culture that the, the coaching staff is really built. Yeah, the school actually brought you guys back, I think, and honored you at halftime, right? For having one TBT? Yeah, yeah. They were playing uh, Virginia, who I think was, I mean, heck, I think they were ranked in the top five at the time. Yeah, it was, I remember that game uh, was on, um, I think it was on ESPN2 or something. It was like a nationally televised game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, so they were playing that game, and they, they, they brought us back in and, and, and recognized us. And that was, you know, that was a lot of fun. That was, that, that was, uh, that was a very, uh, very cool thing uh, for them to do. So then the next night, uh, game two, Ants alumni was the loss, 89-84. What did you guys take from that? Um, you know, we just, it's, 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 we just weren't able to come together like we were the year before. You know, I mean, I, I think sometimes people uh, in situations in life really always want to believe like uh, they have control over what's going on and, 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 and the results of something where, you know, it, because they did certain things and there was a direct line of causation. I mean, as I said before, I think the first year, you know, there's no doubt we played our asses off. But, you know, there was some luck in how things came together. Like, we just caught fire and we caught a chemistry and we caught, you know, we got confidence and, you know, everything everything rolled forward from that. Um, you know what I mean? I think in, in, uh, in, in this past tournament, uh, we were just never able to to catch that chemistry. Like it, it was a battle for us. And I think, I think it, honestly, I think uh, it's a testament to you know the toughness of a lot of our guys that we even pulled out that first win against mm-hmm. Midwest Dreams because they outplayed us for most of the game. You know what I mean? I think we really, really struggled to catch a flow there. And then against Ants alumni, it was the same thing. We just we really we could never uh, just just get a flow, never get that chemistry down. Um, you know, so uh, once again, I, I think just staying in that game and pushing it into overtime, we, we really battled just to do that. Um, and, you know, it was disappointing because I truly think that we had the talent to win the tournament. Um, we were really, really talented. Um, and I think if we had an extra game or, you know, like I think if we pull that one out against Ants alumni, I think there's no doubt we eventually would have hit our stride. You know, but we just we, we just never were able to develop that chemistry. Uh, I think maybe if we played a, a couple easier games early on or something like that, maybe we would have been able to do that. But the bottom line is we just we got outplayed. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, it was, it, it, it was tough, but, you know, once again, in that tournament, I mean, you look at the, you look at the roster sheet. Once you get to that super 17, any one of those teams could have won. Right. You know, I mean, every single team had a lot of talent. Um, you know, so I think it was just as simple as we didn't have a great night and, 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 I think they had some guys that really made some shots, and, and, and they won the game. Um, we talked about what you're doing now, which is, you know, as an agent at Priority Sports. But before that, you were practicing law for, I think, over a little over three years, uh, actually doing NCAA uh-huh. litigation, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I call it litigation, but uh, what I, you know, because it was all administrative law. Um, right. I represented, you know, schools and universities and, and, and coaches and student athletes in uh uh, compliance and infractions cases uh, against the NCAA. What did you think of that experience doing that? And sort of what what did you take from having been involved in the in the weeds as you were about the NCAA and sort of where we stand with it? Uh, you can get me in trouble here. No, I'm not trying to do that. I, no, but I'm just looking because <laughs> no, 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 I don't just... think we often hear from the people that yeah. are involved, sort of in those. Uh, like I said, in the weeds of how the NCAA actually works and and what it does, and I don't think a lot of people really understand it either. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's you know it's definitely a hot button issue right now, and it's something that I I certainly have very strong opinions on. Um, you know, I, I I certainly think there needs to be a lot of change. Um, I think that when you you know look at just the facts and the economics and the, 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 the distribution of the revenues and, and, and everything like that. It's just, it's, it, it's very problematic. Um, and I don't think there's like a, a lot of rationale behind it. And, and what I was doing, um, you know, some of it was, uh, I, I, I think it, it, it rep- I, I think so much energy is, is dedicated to the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this is all about education. I mean, it's huge money and there's a ton of revenue, but the focus needs to be on maximizing what the students are learning while they're there. You know what I mean? And trying to ignore the realities that a lot of these guys, especially in high major revenue generating sports, which is men's basketball and football, um, trying to ignore the reality um, that their aspirations are to play professionally and, you know, trying to pretend that they're just another student, you know, when they're a student first and athlete second, it's not practical. Um, so I think it just needs to be a shift in focus for one thing. It's, I think by shifting the focus and being honest about some of these things, we can actually clean up a lot of the underlying problems, um, you know, and just, just acknowledge uh, that there is big money on the line. Let's stop pretending that there's not, you know what I mean? And, and, acknowledge the problems that can be created from that um where there's you know all sorts of issues socially uh academically and um i think by having a more honest dialogue on how things actually are as opposed to what the ncaa wants to project things as being uh you know what right now seems like a very fractured system could be cleaned up uh, pretty easily. I know that's a very general statement, uh, um, but it, you, you know, I think it's it's uh, it's tough. You know, I would be doing cases where you know, boiled down, there's literally high hundred thousands, even into the millions of dollars being spent 
investigating and, and, and getting to the bottom of what, what comes down to frivolous violations, you know? Um, and to me, that money should just be, would be better spent put into academic programs and put into support programs, uh, for student athletes and, and things of that nature. Well, so I think, I think that's where it needs to start. Yeah. And I think one thing that struck me, you know, as a college athlete was oftentimes the different backgrounds that everybody comes from. And it seems yeah. so, it seems so often to be the case that some of these infractions are schools trying to help out kids that really don't have the resources. I certainly know that I had. Uh, in college, you know, where I had a parent that was able to give me a, h- a couple hundred bucks um, a month or something if I needed to go out and, and get something at a store. Whereas a lot of these kids that come in as full scholarship athletes, not only do they not have the time to actually have a job, because uh, it's like just physically impossible to work and play a Division One sport at the same time, but in addition to that, they don't have the resources uh, to, you know, pick up something at it, like I said, at a store or go out to eat or do any of that stuff. And a lot of times I think these infractions that you, as you said, spend, uh, the NCAA spends hundreds of thousands of dollars investigating are about a $500 grant, you know, and I think some of the th- yeah. stuff that they've done like unlimited snacks and, you know, some of these other things are really kind of nipping around the edges of, of, you know, what it seems like it could be a really fundamental change as, as to how it works. But the actual experience of having played uh, a sport in college is almost irreplaceable and almost indescribable. It just is a really wonderful thing. And I'm wondering if you have any advice for, you know, other GMs of potential alumni teams without obviously wanting to give too much of your competitive advantages away, but, you know, like what kind of advice would you have for a guy that wants to start an alumni team uh, to play in TBT? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, that, you know, like guys have reached out to me um, and, uh, you, you know, after our first year, so before this past year on, on, on going about doing that and, and it, it, it's kind of hard to give any general advice because, you know, as we've kind of gone through um, throughout the course of this conversation, for me, it was just like it, 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 staying in touch with your buddies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And having a great relationship with the program you're a part of. And it was just easy from there, you know, calling up friends and saying, hey, let's do this. You know, but there really was no work into it because, like I said, the culture that was established in our program is that we all have a relationship with each other anyways. Like I was just talking about the older players know the younger players, the coaches aren't still involved with guys, you know, and at any time, whether it's this or any problem that might come up, we can still call the coach and say, Hey, can you help me with this? You know what I mean? And the younger guys can call the older guys that they were never in the locker room with, but they might've watched when they were in middle school and in high school and say, Hey, I need some advice on this. You know what I mean? And, and, and that stuff goes on all the time. So, because of that culture, it was really, really easy for me to to put everything together. Um, what about you know, getting so, the school? Uh, what about trying to get the school behind you? I mean, what, was there any effort on that, or was that something for you that came about just because the school knew about it? Yeah, no. Once again, it, it was as simple as a phone call. You know what I mean? Like that's what I mean because those relationships were already established; they were already so strong. For me, it was as simple. Like I said, I called Harold Swanigan, uh, director of basketball operations at Notre Dame, and said, "Hey, Swan, we're trying to do this." Uh, you know, and I didn't even need to finish my sentence. It was just, all right, what do you need me to do? You know what I mean? Right. Um, and uh, two days later, they're they're rolling out a Twitter campaign for us to to help get us votes on social media to get in the tournament. You know what I mean? Um, and it does seem, I mean, I didn't even have to make a a phone call this past year. I had Swan call me this past year and say, Hey, 
you know, what you guys want some gear or something? Like, <laughs> what, what do you guys want? We'll get you uniforms. Well, you know, Under Armour will get you uniforms. This is, you know what I mean? Like, he he was just involved in the process because it, it was, it, like I said, it was a family thing. And so it, it was really like, easy. And I think, oh, sorry. What, I was going to say, that? it does kind of seem like a cool opportunity, too, for schools to, I guess, not reacquaint, but kind of keep their fan bases up to date on what these guys that they cheered for for four years are doing now, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess my point is, is, is you know, I certainly think there's a uniqueness to Notre Dame, but I think ev- there's a uniqueness to every program. You know what I mean? And I think every program, you know, there's a culture there and there's a pride there for playing for the program. So my advice would be to just tap into that. You know what I mean? My advice would be that people want to help. People want to be a part of it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's a good thing for everyone. I think, you know, I think uh, our, you know, the Notre Dame coaches, I think they looked at it as really a, a, a recruiting point, a way for more exposure over the summer where there's really not a lot of news and a lot of sports being going on. Oh, now Notre Dame's in the news. This is the Notre Dame basketball program's in the news. And, and also, you know, to be able to show a recruit or whatever, like, hey, this is the, this is the, this is the culture you're stepping into. This is the brotherhood you're stepping into. Um, I think that, I think that really goes a long way. So I, I really think that anybody that, that's been a part of any program, I think every program has, has their special, connections like that and i think it's something that any any program would want to get you um you know so i think it's like you said it's as simple as picking up a phone um really (laughs) what about for 2016 will the fighting alumni be back um if if i really hope so um and i really absolutely i don't know why i say i hope so They, (laughs) they will be um you know i don't i don't i will not be as involved um this upcoming year because with my schedule and my job like you know that summer period is actually like the busiest period for me um that's when we're placing guys and and getting guys signed and negotiating guys free agent contracts and i just don't think you know i do think to tell you the truth a a little bit of part of our problem last year was was uh me not being nearly as dialed in as i was the year before um you know so i think uh we'll definitely uh you know, it'll be the same cast of guys, uh, without a doubt. Um, and we'll definitely get it together. And I'm sure I'll, I'll play a role in, in, in kind of helping that get together. But I'll let somebody else take the reins. Um, because like I said, there are so many people that are involved and excited about it. Um, and it has become such a great tournament to be a part of that, uh, yeah, we'll no doubt be in it again. And, uh, you know, I think is, uh, you know, the unique thing is, is that each year, uh, the, the roster w- will change because guys are, you know, moving on. They're ending their professional careers. They're starting families and they no longer have the time to be in something like that. Um, so then the younger guys, uh, recent graduates, um, they'll be coming in and being a part of it. So, uh, We'll be in there. We might look a little different than in the past, but we'll be there and we'll be, you know, as excited as we have been in past years and, and you know, hopefully come out stronger than we did this, uh, this in this most recent tournament. Karen, I appreciate your time. Hopefully we'll talk again soon and look forward to seeing you guys on the website in the spring. And no problem, Dave. Uh, nice talking to you and uh, I'll definitely talk to you soon. Sounds great. Uh, bye-bye. 